Hello, welcome to Do Athan, a new weekly podcast from Frontier Myanmar. I'm Jared Downing. Our pioneering audio program, the first of its kind in Myanmar, helps shine a spotlight on the many human rights issues that affect people across this beautiful country. This week, we take a look at what's being done to help healthcare for Karen people who have suffered from 70 years of conflict. motorcycle crash and a nasty gash brought not a Cho to Thailand. The Pokerim woman made her way down the mountain trails to the government hospital in Kokrake, Kayin State, with a bleeding foot and a toddler in tow. But the doctor wasn't in. He was running some errand, and the staff didn't know when he would be back, and anyway, they were less than thrilled to deal with a few village walk-ins who couldn't even speak Myanmar language. So H.O. decided to leave Myanmar altogether. She crossed the border into Thailand, where she could check into a free clinic for migrants and refugees. The clinic is called Metal, in the town of Sat, and it is there that H.O. tells me her story. It had to be translated twice, first from Pokerin to the more common Sokerin, and then into English. She and the other patients are arranged in wheelchairs and wooden pallet beds. Some of them have lived on the Thai side of the border doing construction or farm work for years or even decades. Others, like H.O., are here for only a day or two. The Meddaw Clinic has become a sort of de facto hospital for the roughly 250,000 people living under the Karin National Union Authority. After the 2015 ceasefire, the Myanmar government should theoretically be able to cooperate with the KNU and expand its public health care coverage. In fact, the Ministry of Health and Sport is trying to achieve universal health care in five years, and it identifies EHOs, or ethnic health organizations, as essential for that goal. But to do that, they need to work through a mire of bureaucracy, data gaps, language barriers, old prejudices, and meeting after meeting on just how to get started. And to make things more complicated, there's a whole ensemble of independent Karin EHOs with names like DKBA Healthcare, the Karin Peace Force, the Burma Medical Association, the Backpack Health Worker Team, and others. All of them have to get on the same page. And while most have agreed to join under the largest Karin EHO, the Karin Department of Health and Welfare, or KDHW, in the meantime, many rural Karin people rely on scattered triage sites, or the May Tau Clinic usually, for their health care needs. This is Saw Ase. He directs a KDHW clinic at the village of Thar Yar Gon, which exists in a kind of administrative gray zone between the government and the KNU. But to call it a clinic is a bit of an overstatement. Other than basic aid and medicines, its medics and volunteers mainly provide transport and referrals to other hospitals for the roughly 1,000 villagers in the area. Most of the day's patients arrive in the morning on motorbikes or cattle cars seeking treatment for dysentery and ordinary aches and pains. But their ailments aren't always so mild. Saw A. Say describes one appendicitis patient who came in four days before this interview. The man was so sorry that we referred him to the Cochrane Township Hospital. But on the way, he passed it away. 
That tragedy was more the fault of the narrow trails that link the village track to the outside world than the clinic's resources. But Ace tells me about another patient, a woman with a severe uterine infection who actually made it to the government hospital, but to little avail. According to Ace, the staff of the hospital grumbled, asking why the KDHW couldn't care for its own patients, and they were reluctant to process her. He says the hospital gave her minimal treatment and refused to do any more, even when the woman's condition got worse, unless she paid hefty fees. In the end, they simply took her to Maytow in Thailand. Previously, the Kogri Township medical officer said he will follow up with his staff to collaborate with my clinic and other health centers, but nobody obeyed him. I don't know the reason why they don't want to work with us. SA is unwilling to speculate on the reason for their lack of cooperation, but he said it doesn't really matter. In the end, it all comes down to money. Good treatment is rarely free, and rural Korean people can rarely afford it. Thus, crossing into Thailand remains the default healthcare option. One middle-aged man is visiting the clinic to get pain medication for his back. He tells me that in his community, nobody even considers options other than Maetaw when they break a bone or come down with dengue fever. The clinic is free, and there are other Korean-speaking staff, and Maetaw is only an hour further down the road than the Kaukraig Township Hospital. The Maytal Clinic has 140 beds and can refer cases to the 400-bed Thai Public Hospital in Maysat if they need to. That hospital devotes almost half its staff and capacity to migrants, according to Maytal's data. But the days of a single health center shouldering the Karen burden may be numbered. With democracy and tentative peace, the ways of battered refugees have ebbed, along with funding for humanitarian programs along the border. Even though patient numbers at Maytal remain steady, donor contributions have declined by as much as 70%, says Dr. Cynthia Mong, who founded the clinic for fresh waves of refugees following the nationwide uprising in 1988. Instead, donors are prioritizing, quote, development projects inside Myanmar's borders. Because the population is growing and the ratio of the health worker and doctor nurse in Thailand or in Burma, especially in the border area. It has become a big challenge. With dwindling healthcare resources on the Thai side of the border, Cynthia Mong said May Tal has had to increase referrals to hospitals in Myanmar. But matching, say, an HIV patient with a government hospital and communicating the specifics of their condition and the treatment history to the staff and also ensuring they continue to receive proper care, it can just be a Herculean task. The challenge is many young people working in Thailand and they're moving back and forth. And also many of them doesn't have uh, like a national identity. It's actually common for people from Cayenne State to arrive at a hospital with no identification or an ID document that is recognized by only one of the many KNU organizations. Even the name of their township might not match up. The area known as Pa'an, for example, to the KNU, also contains what the Myanmar government recognizes as the Kokrek, Miaori, and Langbue townships. Sometimes in the hospital, you need to ensure that uh, the continuity of care, quality of care, and referral system from the community to the village, so there is no consistency or continuity of the care. 
She fears that until the various administrations can develop and merge their systems, uh, a child with dengue fever, a farmer with a broken leg, or a woman going into labor might find themselves languishing in waiting room after waiting room as the red tape is sorted out. But fortunately, some progress has been made in recent years, if it's mostly in meeting rooms rather than hospital wards. KDHW recently opened its third medical staff training center in the government-controlled Call Craig. And democracy and the subsequent ceasefire have allowed NGOs working in KNU territory who were formerly holed up in MESOT offices far greater levels of access. Furthermore, most of the various Korean healthcare providers have at least agreed to operate under the same umbrella. And there have been initial meetings with Myanmar's Ministry of Health. Finally, the KDHW has initial drafts of a five-year health care plan of its own that mirrors that of the Myanmar government. Eventually, in an ideal world, the Ministry of Health and KDHW would have complementary registration and referral systems. The ministry would send doctors to KDHW clinics, and the Myanmar government would provide some funding and resources. But KDHW director Saw A. Kalushwe U says it's not just the government that's needed. It is not only government money. It will also need donation money and international assistance money. So they need to look to the national health plan and also the federal Korean state health plan. Yet the issue of funding remains a bridge to be crossed. At the moment, the KDHW plan is mainly a statement of priorities and goals. Anything more detailed and action-oriented would need both Ministry of Health accreditation and also backing by the various organizations under KDHW. Some of them, such as the Backpack Health Worker Team, also have operations in neighboring states and are thus accountable not only to Corinne but Mon or even Shan groups for some of their policy decisions. Furthermore, some Corinne groups are simply less trusting of their former adversary of 70 years. They fear that the government will use healthcare cooperation as a way to chip away at their hard-earned sovereignty. And even if they do trust the Ministry of Health, A. Kalushwe U says that they may not trust the Tamada, uh, the national parliament, or other stakeholders. As for Cynthia Mong, she doesn't mistrust the Myanmar government so much as the idea of aligning too closely with the Ministry of Health's broad nationwide plan. She argued that the top-down approach diverts resources from the organizations and projects in the trenches. And she cites Meta's own dwindling resources, but at the same time, a steady intake of patients that has not reduced over the years. Thailand also looking at like a national health plan, Burma looking at national health plan, but it doesn't cover the border health. Border health is more regional approach. Sometimes the national health plan coming from the top, it is not uh, relevant or not appropriate to the, the local context. A. Kalushwe U at least tend towards optimism. He assures the hesitant parties that the way forward is towards true federalism. He uses an analogy that was coined by KDHW Director of Policy, Dr. Fu Marta. Dr. Fu Marta talks about a fabric of many colored strands. Together, each strand is strong and effective, but they also retain their own identity and are mindful of their own unique needs. Perhaps in five years or so, HO and her family will actually start going to the local hospital. But for now, she will keep crossing the river. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Doathon. This program was put together this week by Zarni and Atet. Please stay tuned for next Wednesday's episode and visit the Doathon Facebook page. 
The project to support human rights reporting is a partnership between Frontier Myanmar and Fondation Hirondelle, funded by the Embassy of the Netherlands in Myanmar. Thanks for listening.